0: Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey. And today I get to make a very special announcement. So drum roll, please. The Honor Project Movement is official. So I have been talking about and alluding to the process and the journey of starting a nonprofit. And as of the middle of July... We were official, but because of the U.S. Postal Service taking its time to deliver that notification I just found out last week. So we are official, we are up and running, and you are now invited to be a part of something very, very special. I will share the link to the donate button, and I just encourage you to give, give, and give. There are so many women who are in the rebuilding process who need our help. And you can be a part of that. So I just wanted to share today a little bit about my journey to becoming a nonprofit and choosing that route. And then I want to share the specific um, projects, objectives, and campaigns that we have coming up for the rest of 2022. So let me take you on a little journey to Little Heather. I grew up in um, traditional, fundamental, evangelical church culture and I have always had a heart to serve others. So from like six or seven, eight years old, somewhere on in that range, I began doing music ministry with my father. And by my teen years, I was pretty much full throttle into part-time volunteerism. And until I turned um, 46, so until two years ago, I probably volunteered between the ages of 16 and 46. So 30 years of my life, I probably volunteered anywhere from five to 15 hours a week. That's not a joke. So if you were to go back and add all those hours up over the course of my life, it would be substantial. And I love to see needs and fill needs. I love to just look around me and see who needed some love, some care, some TLC, and also just like practical needs, meeting those with resources is my very, very happy place. Like if I could just do that all day, every day, I would. So it was encouraged, I was encouraged to go ahead and start a nonprofit because while people individually have entrusted me with funds through the last probably decade or longer, it was going to be just more impactful If I had that nonprofit status and businesses could donate and have a a deduction for their taxes. So um, starting, of course, in my childhood, music ministry was very much um, a passion of mine. I also helped, of course, with children and baby ministry, nursery, VBS, things of that nature Then as I approached high school, I was introduced to going on short-term mission trips. I have a whole lot of thoughts about those, but back then it was just the thing that people did. Now I would probably encourage people to do things a little bit differently. I think it's beneficial. I really do think it's beneficial for people to experience other cultures and have their eyes opened. the realities of what people are living with in other other countries where they basically have a dollar or two a day to live on i think that's valuable but the way that we give and the money that we spend taking those trips can sometimes be um wasteful whereas just ministering into and giving those resources to people who are already on the field is often a very um wise decision I was also introduced at age 14, my first mission trip to Honduras, to a third world country, was the concept of orphanages. And I would challenge you, if you are um, involved in orphan ministry, if you are giving to orphanages, if you are supporting um, ministries that do that, I would encourage you to do some very, very deep digging an investigation because many orphanages, maybe most orphanages are actually a front for child trafficking. So just going to leave that out there. It's an, if I knew them, what I know now thing. And even as a 14 year old, I felt in my gut, in my spirit, whatever you want to call it, I felt something was very wrong. And it wasn't just that these children were without parents. It was, there was a presence that was very evil in that, in that orphanage. And I had that kind of just insight and intuition even as a very young child and of course the things that I have come to learn since there are Instagram accounts and things that you can research um, if you want to just look up what's called orphan trafficking they're not actually many of them are not actually orphans and that's the first area of concern a lot of times children are being taken from their parents Um, Sometimes they're just being given up because parents think that they will be provided for in a better way in an institution than with them. But many orphanages are filled with children who actually have living parents. So just a little side note, just throwing that out there. Do your homework and reunification with family is really important, especially if kids have parents who love them and miss them or trying to find them. That's really important. So I was um, taken, I I participated in my first cross-cultural mission trip at age 14. And then every year, between 14 and 24, I did some type of project, mostly outside of the States. And I think about the money. I think about all the money that we spent on those trips, but it is what it is. You live, you learn. We know better now. We do better now. I was um, introduced to the country of Haiti. I think I was 16. 16. And I went on that trip as a short-term team member. And then I decided that coming out of high school um, as I graduated, that I wanted to spend a full year there in Haiti. And I did that. And I became familiar with the concept of beggars and white savior mentality and compassion fatigue. You can Google all these terms if you don't know what they are um but just the children and even the adults that were near the compound where i lived um they would ask for literally the shirt off your back they would ask for your bible they would ask for gum they would ask you for 1 dollar they would ask you for your shoes your sandals your water bottle like everything and at first when i moved there i wanted to just give them everything but then After a couple weeks of that, you get exhausted. And this is where the compassion fatigue comes in. You get exhausted because you just want to be able to walk from point A to point B and just breathe your own oxygen and not be accosted and asked for everything that you own. And also realizing that the same ones that do this to you are doing this to every other American on the premises. So they are benefiting, whereas there are tens of and hundreds of thousands of other people you know, within that country that need help and resources. So I kind of went from, oh, just give you the shirt off my back to, oh my gosh, if another person asks me for something, I'm just going to snap. And probably went there in just a matter of weeks or shortly months because it's exhausting. So that concept of compassion fatigue is not lost on me. I do understand that. And it's real. It's real for missionaries. It's real for people in ministry. It's real for people who help in the mental health field. It's You have to take care of yourself. You have to have boundaries if you're going to do ministry and service long-term. So eventually I made a trip to Albania. Um, I came back to Haiti multiple times and helped to lead teams into Haiti. And then when I became a mama in 1998, y'all, Firstborn is almost 24 years old. He turns 24 this month. And when I became a mama, I just decided that traveling to developing nations was no longer in my best interest because I would pick up parasites and I had several rounds of malaria. And I just realized that I needed to be at home with my babies and take care of them and not keep picking up all these strange diseases. So I continued in music ministry. That was always very important to me. Ladies ministry, kid, you know, helping in children's ministry. I did a four-year run with a local um, pregnancy center that ministered to women um, with unplanned pregnancies. I learned so much about abortion. I learned so much about the desperation of women. And a little side note. I wish I had known about the patterns and systems of abuse during that time because that information would have been so helpful as I sat with clients, as I listened to their stories to help identify where abuse was present. And trust me, these women were dealing with abuse so a little side note, if you work in women's ministry of any kind, especially if you are working in the medical field, if you're working with unplanned pregnancies, please familiarize yourself with the patterns and the systems of abuse. Please understand the dynamics of domestic violence, of spiritual abuse, because spiritual abuse really pushes women to make a decision to terminate a pregnancy because a lot of churches are extremely, extremely judgmental. Of someone who gets pregnant outside of wedlock and will excommunicate and will ostracize that young woman. So, so many churches that say they're pro life and they're pro babies and pro whatever are so not pro life because they're not for the mother. You have to give her dignity, you have to give her honor. You have to give her safety before you expect her to do that for her child. So that's my little side note. (laughs) If you are calling yourselves as a believer or as a churchgoer, if you're calling yourselves uh, pro-life, you have got to be about caring for that mother in practical ways. And that is so lacking in so many churches. They will completely ostracize, alienate, excommunicate a woman for having a child outside of wedlock but they're saying they're against abortion. So um, those two things, like you just can't, you can't reconcile that. So music ministry, I did a 10 year stint working with a local camp for young people, for youth, middle and high schoolers. And it was pretty unique opportunity in that we brought churches from our community together with the purpose of serving our community. So it was youth camp, meets service and mission and giving kids an opportunity to have a passion for their own backyard. And you don't have to take thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to take trips across the world to care for people. And so again, while I love my time there, there were so many things that I didn't understand. I didn't understand about spiritual abuse. I didn't understand about being mandated mandated reporters I didn't understand about emotional abuse kids were coming to us that had all kinds of things happening to them and we did not properly um care for them we did not get them the resources and the help we did not report things that should have been reported so I again if I knew them but I know now but it just gave me such a fire in my heart a passion for young people so to say that from ages 16 to 36 that I probably volunteered um, anywhere from 5 to 15 hours a week in ministry, in volunteerism, is very easy statement to make. Um, when I became ill and couldn't do that anymore, um, it felt like a piece of me was missing. Another thing that I have been doing for the last probably 10 years or longer is this incredible, um, I have an incredible gifting calling, maybe even an anointing to connect needs to resources. It is indeed my very, very happy place. So if I could just do this all day, every day, I would, and I would be very fulfilled. So let's say you're scrolling through Facebook and you see someone needs baby clothes, certain sizes, someone needs diapers, someone needs groceries. Uh, maybe there was a house fire in your community and they need everything. I became like a social media investigator. Now, I know a lot of people hate Facebook. I know a lot of people hate on it, but it can be used for so much good. And so for the last decade, 12 years or longer, I have made it kind of my mission to scout and to find needs and to do whatever I could to connect needs to resources. Sometimes that's just connecting somebody to an organization that can take care of their needs. Sometimes that is going onto my personal Facebook and saying, hey, I have a friend who needs this. And in the good old days before Facebook changed and the algorithms became a pain in our tushies, It was so easy within like 24 or 48 hours. Every need was met. I have done several um, diaper shower campaigns for young mamas. Again, this is a tangible way that we can come beside a young person who has a baby and doesn't have a lot of resources. This is how we can be truly pro-life. We can say to this mama, it is my goal for the next year to raise support so that every single month you have diapers and you do not have to spend your own money on diapers. And so we've done this for, I think, three or four ladies, young ladies in our community. And it's just such a joy to see people rise to this occasion. And that was money that she did not have to spend. 40, 50, 60 bucks a month. If you go into a place like Costco, we found that their diapers were a good quality and that the cases were just the best value, the best bang for our buck. And so every month I would run into Costco, grab that pack, that big old case of diapers. I met several people at the diaper aisle who were doing similar things. And we had conversations that were rich about this is how we truly love people. We don't just post, a, a billboard with an, you know, an aborted baby fetus and say that we hate abortion. We say, hey, mama, I love you and I love your baby, and I'm gonna do something tangible. Maybe I didn't have the money myself. I didn't have it, but I had friends. That was my that was my resource. I do not have unlimited funds, especially as you know, a divorcee, a rebuilding, chronic illness. Like I have limited hours that I can even work in a day. I don't have In the bank, even a fraction of what I want to be able to give and to help other people, but I have amazing contacts and have amazing friends, and so that is my gift to the world: is bringing people together to match needs and resources. We have helped um, a really fun project. It was either last summer or the summer before that. A friend of mine found a camper and helped a homeless father and his young child rebuild their lives, and the trailer the camper was already paid for by the time that I was made aware of the need but everything to go inside of it was not and so I just put on Facebook this is what we need and within a couple of days I had stuff collected and she stopped by here to pick up linens and towels and clothes for the little boy and some books and some toys and even some like pantry staples and we had gift cards and it was just amazing like thousands of dollars worth of stuff was donated within just days. And we were able to match that need to that resource. We have helped to, um, get support and, and supplies for people who have had house fires one year around Christmas time. There were several house fires that year. It was, it was alarming to me. And one sweet lady in our community decided to do a toy drive and she was at Walmart, literally like in real time saying I'm at Walmart, And people were sending her Venmo and PayPal so that she could get these kiddos gifts so they could still have a Christmas, even in the midst of having to move into a hotel because their whole house had burned down. Um, (coughs) Missionaries. Oh, my goodness. So the missionaries that I met in Guatemala. So I did, after a 17-year hiatus... I did return to short-term mission trips and opportunities. And I, in um, 2014, made my way to Guatemala and I met the most amazing, the most amazing families who were there serving, basically doing foster care in another country. So if you have done foster care or know someone who has done it, you know there are so many challenges that come with that. But can you imagine doing that in another country in a language you don't know, with all the challenges that come from living in an impoverished, developing nation. These people are some of the bravest people that I've ever met in my life. And it became my passion to serve them. It became my passion to see the needs that they had and to um, raise the funds or gather the supplies. So uh, between 2014 and probably four years ago, 2018, 2019. I'm trying to think of my last trip. My last trip was 2018. So in four years, I made nine trips, nine trips. And many of you helped to support those trips. We did fundraisers with Chick-fil-A calendars. We did auctions online, flat out donations, car washes. We just did everything you can imagine. I like to provide um, fundraisers that someone walks away with a product or a service in exchange for their donation. I like, those make me feel a little bit more, yeah, (laughs) happy. And so along the way, we sent thousands of pounds of clothing to them. I would collect the clothes here at my house, go through them, pick out the very, very best of the best of the best. And then we would put them into containers, get them in there as tightly as possible, and we would either deliver them on our trips or we would send them over on containers. We raised funds for air conditioning units and for washers and dryers and for vehicles. We um, gathered school supplies multiple times and got those over there in a similar way. And every time we would take trips, we would pack our suitcases with stuff for the missionaries and stuff for the, uh, the people around them. And here is a really important thing. If you do um, go on trips that are short-term... And you take toys and clothes and food and supplies, hand them over to the missionaries to disperse. Let the people who have established relationships with the community there be the ones that give these gifts. So many times I watched these Americans go with their white savior complex and they wanted to just give things and have the gratification. Let the missionaries, let the foster parents, let the people who have boots on the ground 24 seven long before your week, long after your week of service is over, let them be the ones that give those things away. That is really important. Let them see the smiles on the faces. They are the ones that make the connections every single day. So, um, here we are in 2022 and we have just become official. So through the years, um, tens of thousands, twenties of thousands of dollars have been donated to these different efforts. I have kept, um, journals and I've kept logs. The, The resource came from this person. The resource went to these people. It's very encouraging just to see these lists and to see all the needs. I can't even in one podcast, remember or mention all the different things. Okay. So in the last couple of years, we have been working with women. We have done um, Christmas blessings campaigns. We have done Mother's Day blessing campaigns to give these women um, just resources at Christmas so that they could, again, give the gift to the mother and let her give it to the child because she is the one that's there taking care of her child. The gift does not need to come from some total stranger the kid doesn't know who that person is let mama put her name on the tag at christmas we did some amazon wish lists um and let the mothers choose the gifts and then they were delivered and then the mothers could put their names i mean let's seriously let the person who has the investment in the relationship be the one to receive the credit and the the smile so here we set and there are so many things that are needed and A couple of the objectives of the Honor Project movement. We are going to be raising money for crisis care. Okay, so so many women need... If there's one thing I get a request request for every single day, it's help in choosing a counselor and then also just not having the resources to pay for counseling. So I am working with someone who knows her way around this life and this reality um she has lived the realities i'm now walking around my house trying to find my notes from yesterday's meeting and my dogs are going to need to go to the bathroom so you're just going to come along for the ride this morning i wanted to make sure i call this the right thing because it's kind of a long a long name and i want to say it right so hmm i'm trying to find my notes We are going to be funding and supporting domestic violence crisis response groups. Let me say that again because it's kind of long, but we were trying to use language that people out and about would totally understand what our purpose is. And even shortening domestic violence to DV doesn't do it justice because there are a lot of people that don't even know what DV stands for. So these are going to be called domestic violence crisis response groups. And the little tag is providing practical and emotional urgent care. This is one of the biggest needs that we have right now is to connect women with mental health resources that they can afford. So we're going to be working with a... um, mental health practitioner who is master's level. She's very versed in understanding domestic violence, understanding trauma, um, understanding all the forms of abuse as well. And we're going to create groups because it's just more economical for women to do this in a group. And we are asking you to like give yesterday, (laughs) like don't delay if you have the ability right now to go to the donate button that is in this um, in the show notes please do it because we actually have women that are like waiting right now we are set to launch our first group in October and I want to have the money raised before we commit to these women it's really important to me to under promise to over deliver always important to me I do not want to tell people that we're going to do xyz until we have the means to do X, Y, Z. And I kind of liken it to a credit card. I am a fan of using credit cards if, if you have the money in the bank to cover that credit card and you can pay it off every month and you can get paid by your credit card annually for the for using their card. I do this. I get anywhere between four dollars and $600 every single year from my credit card company just because I use their card. Never pay a late fee, never pay a service fee, never pay interest, And so I want to operate this um, nonprofit in a similar way. I want to have the money for the project in the bank ready to go before we commit to these women, because right now I have someone who's waiting (laughs) on something that we promised and no money has come in. So I'm hoping that by the time this publishes and a couple of people listen to this, that we're going to have the rest of the money to meet her need. So our next group, uh, our next goal is to start raising money for these domestic violence crisis response groups. If we get enough, we'll run more than one at a time, but we can only, um, reach out and promise to women once the funds are, um, are available because I want to be, I want to be, um. Diligent about making sure we have it before we reach out and tell the women. So, we're going to provide resources for these domestic violence crisis response groups. We are going to be working with a finance and safety coach. Um, If you are familiar with Deborah Doak and you have listened to my podcast interview with her, from the past, I encourage you to go back if you've not and just hear what she offers women. And again, this is just going to be an incredible opportunity to help women understand finances and to understand um, how they can be planning, even if they are not yet cleared to leave and it's not safe for them to leave a relationship, they can be parallel planning and they can be becoming financially independent. And that is so important because a lot of women will stay stuck in these dangerous and abusive situations simply because they don't have the finances to leave. We're also wanting to establish a benevolence fund. So things like emergency shelter, things like clothing, food. If a mama is in crisis mode and her kiddo has to go to the ER, a lot of these mamas do not have support. So I would like to just be able to send her you know, an electronic transfer so she can go get dinner that evening um, and not have to worry about how she's going to feed her kiddos. Um, We are also wanting to develop relationship with local first responders and law enforcement. We already have been building community and relationship with our local sheriff's office by taking them food at Christmas and Easter. I coordinate meals for them, just really yummy meals um, during those holidays. And then I drop off pizza a couple times a year and just wanting to get to know them. I would love to do something to bless our local DV shelter, just a nice, Catered lunch occasionally so that they know that we see them because so many of these organizations are operating on bare bones and they just don't have a lot of money for extras. So those are some of the things um, that we want to help with. Um, Mental health, financial stability. There is another um, counselor that we're working with to, to create groups to help women learn how to regulate Their nervous system is so important because if they cannot focus, if they cannot um, make just simple decisions, they will stay locked in and they will stay trapped for so long. But if we can give them the resources to begin to learn how to deal with their trauma and learn how to deal with the triggers that they're facing and all the challenges and learn how to navigate these harmful, toxic, dangerous relationships by setting boundaries then we give them tools in their tool belt, and they can go out then and make really good choices with the tools that we give them. There are a thousand things that I want to do to help people. These are just a few of the goals for the end from now till the end of the year. We will have Christmas blessings at the end of the year, and you will be um, invited to give to that that fund. And I'm not a hundred percent sure how that's going to work yet. We may just work with like Visa gift cards and things like that just for simplicity and to let mamas go and pick the things that they need. Um, We like to give a little bit of extra so they can go get something nice for their Christmas meal and it can be more festive. But you are invited right here, right now. And anytime that this comes across your mind, you're invited to give, to give, to give. If you do not use PayPal, you're welcome to reach out to me at info at heatherelizabeth.org and you can reach out to me for other um, means of of giving. I don't want to put addresses and stuff like that out publicly but just know that if you're not a PayPal user there are other ways for you to give. PayPal just has a really good tracking system and I just found out yesterday that there is a way that you can give through PayPal that there's no fee there's no fee withheld. And so we want to be as wise and as um, careful with funds that are given to us. And even two or 3% can add up after a while. So I just found out about a way that we can give through, um, through PayPal to have that fee waived. So this is your invitation today to do something practical and tangible to make a difference in these women's lives. You can help in so many ways. And you, if you have an extra $20, if you have an extra 2000 I would love to partner with people who can give some of those larger amounts because the faster we have money coming in, the more we can help people. I have no problem asking for resources to help other people. I don't like to ask for resources to help myself. But I will, I will ask and I will plea probably every episode from now on (laughs) that you invest in these women's lives. There are obviously um, administrative costs. There are costs to keep a website going. There are things that we have to do in the back, you know, in the behind the scenes to keep things running. Eventually, I would love to have a whole fundraiser team. I would love to have people that just go out and pound the pavement on my behalf, on our behalf. I have a wonderful board of women. Most of them have served on nonprofits and they have hearts of gold. And they are standing with me, standing by me. They have held my, my hands up during this process. They have prayed and they have trusted and they have encouraged. And then so many of my friends who have said, Heather, you just need to do this. You need to do this nonprofit because we're me annually I may have had $10,000 come through my hands to meet needs and resources. I would love when the day comes that we have $40,000, $50,000, dollars $200,000 going from someone who has it to someone who needs it. That is what we are here to do, to match the needs to the resources. So the honor project movement came to me um, in 2012. I started something called the honor project devotional. I've pretty much scratched that because I know so many things now that I didn't know back then. (laughs) And I was sharing with someone, a mentor, um, and sharing with her about the Honor Project. And she said, Heather, it's a movement. It's not just a project. It's a movement. And that's where the name Honor Project Movement came from. So, we are here. We are here to move. We are here to see needs and fill needs. We are here to be boots on the ground. We are here to represent the hands, the feet, and the very heart of Jesus. And we invite you to be a part of of this. So I thank every single person who in the past has entrusted me with $10 or $3,000. You know who you are. Thank you for trusting that it was going to get from point A to point B. And now we are asking you, we are officially a nonprofit. we are asking you to seek the Lord. And if you are someone who gives regularly to churches and ministries, I invite you to look and make sure that who you're giving to, that they're honest and that they have integrity, and that they are really putting the things where they say they are. And so many people have left um, organized religion for various reasons, and they still have this amount every month that they want to give. This is a great place to do that. This is a beautiful place. When you read Matthew 28, and it talks about putting clothes on the naked and feeding the hungry and giving water to the thirsty. I add to that giving shelter to the ones that are homeless and giving resources to those who are without. This is the heart of the gospel, and I invite you to give, to give, and to give. So thank you so much for taking time to listen today. Please pass this on to other people. I'm asking that at this time, that needs not be requested because I am overwhelmed right now with how many people need stuff. (laughs) I'm fully aware that people need stuff and when the time is right and I have more resources, I will say, Hey, we have X amount of resources for this. Please reach out. And there will be a vetting process. There will be an application because we have to report back to the IRS. We have to report back to our donors and we need to know that people are legit in need when we get so thank you for listening. Thank you for your consideration. Please go to the link today and donate if you're able or set a timer or reminder for payday that you can go when your, when your paycheck comes through and know that whether you give $10 or $10,000, if it's a sacrifice, that God is honored by it. And we are so grateful to any and every gift that we receive. So I pray that you will feel held even as you are being healed. Blessings. Blessings.